Share buybacks. What are they and why should you care? From the streets of San Antonio, straight to your wallet, it's Jake's Two Cents on Jake of All Trades. Welcome back. I'm Kirk Barbera, and I'm not a financial expert. And I'm Jake. I am the financial expert. But together, Kirk and I review financial topics, concepts, and financial tools, all with the purpose of helping our listeners build wealth both today and into the future. Yeah. And today we're going to be talking in uh, day, for me, I think this is day um, nine of the quarantine. <laughs> and seven, eight. Yeah. I think we're, I'm in day nine of the quarantine. Jake is in like day three of your quarantine. I'm in California in the Bay Area. We were, we were the first to go into it. And you just yeah. went in a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, we just went in on the 24th. So this is day three, but I've been home for almost two weeks now. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm you're getting not, a little antsy. A little antsy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the reason I'm saying that though is also because the you're in a different place than you were the last couple of times we've done some shows where you're at your office. And so yes. you, everything's a little bit different. And it kind of feels like, Although for me, I, you know, I do this all from my home anyway, but it feels kind of like you're on the dark side of the moon in the lighting <laughs> and I'm like out in the open. It's like, out in the although brain. you have the bigger place cause you're in Texas. So you got, I've been to your place, a nice, nice big house. Sure. But, yeah. But it looks like you're kind of small on this dark side of the moon. like got a capsule shot out yeah. of space and <laughs> you got the earth behind you <laughs> waving by. <laughs> anyway my yeah. imagination's going crazy because i'm stuck in here more than normal <laughs> so i'm like huh, where's my mind going look at all these sites oh my god yeah that's ugh. um okay so share buybacks <laughs> let's talk about yeah let's talk about let's what talk we're about gonna talk about today corporate so you call them share buybacks i always thought i thought they were the technical term is corporate buybacks but there what is there is there something that corporations do versus just buybacks in general is it always that's just the same thing i it's the same thing corporate buybacks because they're talking about the corporations deciding to purchase back their shares from the marketplace from investors yeah okay so that's what the yeah so you can call it a lot of different things share buybacks corporate buybacks um share repurchases all those different variations pretty much mean the same thing okay just want to make sure there's no differentiation between them now why is this yeah. relevant to today like why do we care about corporate buybacks all of a sudden i'm going to pop up this um article the stock buyback binge may be over for now <laughs> yeah so this is relevant because if we venture back uh, about a year and a half ago let's see what are we now 2020 yeah so 2018 we had a big tax reform bill that was passed We'll probably all remember some things changed with tax law. The tax laws changed such that they really did benefit corporations in such a way where corporations paid very little in uh, income tax in the year 2018 and 2019. So part of that was an incentive for corporations to then take that excess cash that they saved from having to pay income tax and reinvest it in their company. So that could be in a number of different ways, hiring more people, building new facilities, or they could also do share buybacks. Now, this is relevant because fast forward to today, 
here we are, we're in this crisis situation, and the government has come out with a stimulus package. Part of that stimulus package is going to be a huge injection of cash to corporations. And so I've been reading some stuff online about, you know, it's kind of like a, it's not really fair that the uh, government expects everyday workers to save three to six months of cash so that if an emergency happened, like we're experiencing right now and you couldn't work, we could cover our expenses for a period of time. But then corporations who've had literally billions of dollars in tax savings over the last two years didn't manage to stock away any of that enough to be able to weather this storm. So a lot of people were asking, well, what happened? What happened with all that money? So if you look back, those companies went out and they did share buybacks. They do that because as an investor, if I bought a share of United Airlines stock, and let's say there was 40 million shares out there, well then United Airlines decides to do a share repurchase. So they go into the marketplace and they buy up half of those outstanding shares, 20 million shares. So now there are less shares of United Airlines out there for other investors to buy. When there's less supply, that's going to increase the demand and increase the cost. That means that your share price goes up. So this is really a tool that corporations use when they're flush with cash to, I don't want to say artificially prop up their share prices because it is a legitimate increase in the share price, but it's a little bit of like creative accounting because those increases in the share prices aren't really based on anything fundamental other than the activity of the corporation going into the marketplace and buying up the shares. And so what can happen and what we've seen happen is a market correction and there's a lot of room to correct. We saw that happen just over the last few weeks. There was a lot of room for the market to fall because the actual value according to fundamentals for a lot of companies wasn't where their stock price was being reflected. So that increases the overall risk in the financial markets completely when you have a lot of companies that are doing these share buybacks, which is the situation we've just come out of. Now, when you say there wasn't actual real value in these companies or, or not necessarily reflective of the stock, right? Correct. What right. do you mean by real value? So there's really only one way that you evaluate how a share of stock is valued and that's what's called the PE ratio which is the price of the price of the stock divided by the company's earnings if we think about that denominator the earnings of the company that's how well the company sells its product manages its efficiency how much revenue it brings in relative to its cost so what it's earning every year if a component of that that numerator in the price to earnings ratio, the price starts accelerating up without any earnings growth. Because if we're doing share buybacks, there is no earnings growth associated with that. That's literally just buying back shares from the marketplace. Then the price in the price to earnings ratio has now become out of alignment. That's what I refer to as there's not that the, the proper value attributed to the price of the stock. Because the earnings, which is the denominator in that calculation, that's what is the price is based upon. And that's so when those awesome. earnings don't reflect that, sorry, that's when awesome. those earnings don't reflect that, that's when things get out of control. That's what I mean by the value isn't there. Not that the stock isn't valuable. It's just not, it wasn't worth 
what it appeared to be and what investors were paying for it. So let me, let me ask you a question about, let's say, a long-term company, right? Like a company that, like SpaceX or a company that builds tankers for oil tankers or something, and they're like, let's say they're designing a new oil, like a ship, like a new oil tanker that's going to be more efficient, whatever, right? And they need big amounts of investment. Or a company that lays a fiber optic cable, right? And so they're doing a lot of investing and the earnings aren't going to be there for maybe years, right? So how do you price something in like that and valuating the, when you talk about the real value of a company, how do you put that in? Because that's not going to be reflective of the PE in the immediate term, right? Right. So in that instance, the share price remains relatively cheap until those earnings start to pick up because really we're only evaluating from the stock's perspective the pricing of the stock, which is strictly generated from the earnings. So if the company has very little earnings, their share price is not going to be tremendously expensive. However, that doesn't prevent you from buying it as a good investment because if you know that that's what they're doing with that money. They're building new ships. They're laying fiber optic cable. All of those things are strategies to boost earnings into the future. In the future, right? So that would be considered a long-term buy, a buying opportunity. Right now, maybe the share price is cheap because they're doing a lot of internal investing to prepare the company to grow earnings in the future. So that can still be an attractive purchase. The difference is that you're not going to see a rapid acceleration in the share price in the short term just because of the nature of how they're they're conducting their investments with their own cash. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it's um, that's something you just calculate if you're going to invest in that particular type of company, is what you're saying. Versus exactly. something if I'm just like a casual investor in the stock market, one of the main things I'm going to look at is the PE, essentially. Uh -huh. is the, the biggest yep. thing. But I think there are probably like the Warren Buffets who might buy a company are going to look at other factors, including the Absolutely. kind of investments they're making. And then, of course, there's also bringing a company public where it may be in a position, like I'm thinking of the company that just failed miserably at its uh, launch. The WeWork? Yeah, WeWork, where yes. it's like they're, they're obviously trying to expand into something. Something must have been very poorly planned but the the expectation didn't match the reality in terms mm -hmm. of what they thought this could be um and for a variety of reasons that you know i'm not i read a couple articles on it but anyway so i so i think there's a lot of varieties but what you're talking about is the variety of, of like evaluating the real value of the future of a company and there are different types of investments but the general way is looking at the pe and Right now, the PE has been distorted over the short term recently because of these corporate buybacks. Is that correct? That is correct. Actually, now, though, it's a little healthier since we've had a market decline. We're actually at a uh, so you can track average PE ratios over different periods of time. So an effective tool when evaluating whether or not a stock might be a good purchase is you can look at the PE and then you can also look at the historical PE over the last 10 years, right? And so then you're able to see, okay, the stock right now is trading at a higher PE than it has over the last 10 years. That would indicate that it maybe it's at its peak and that might not be a good time to buy it. Vice versa, if it's, you know, 
cheap relative to its average 10-year PE, that may be a time to buy it. So the current situation we're in now, we've switched from PE ratios across the board being a lot higher than their averages to now being relatively in line or just below the average 10-year PE because we've had the market decline, which again kind of rolls into when we talk about buying opportunities and stuff being cheap, relatively speaking, those all tie into all of this. Okay. So I think I hear the sound for, I think that's a good time for the word of Of the the day. day. (laughs) And that is bailout. Oh, bailout. Bailout. Because that feels like that's what we're talking about with these corporate corporations right now and we're hearing a lot of again so what is a bailout i mean it's i i think the term has a general term like oh you know kirk screwed up you got to bail him out right or yeah you know give him some bail from jail so he can get out (laughs) right i don't know exactly get out but there's yeah it feels like that but maybe there's a technical term that is relevant too so it's really just about a government or another uh, business injecting cash or some type of stimulus into a corporation or some uh, industry in order to support them from collapsing. So we saw a bailout situation in 2008 when we had the financial crisis. Now, bailouts are unique in that they're targeted to industries that the the collapse of that specific industry would be considered catastrophic to the economy. Too big to fail is the term. Too big to fail is the term. Exactly. So in essence, we had that, that term was thrown around a lot in 2008. You could even argue now the stimulus package that they passed uh, last night, actually $2.2 trillion. A good chunk last of that. 26 go- to be clear. March 26th. What? Last March night, 26th. March 26th to be clear, because this will come out after March 26th. Right. Thank you. Yes. The, so $2.2 trillion a lot of money. They're injecting a lot of that into like the airline industry, um, entertainment industry, restaurants, those type of industries that if they let them collapse would be catastrophic to the economy. That's the example of what a bailout is. And why, while it feels like you're rescuing someone, you also have to look at it from the other perspective. If I don't save you, what happens to the economy or what happens to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I have to say, it seems a little bit like conjecture though, because they don't really know. Like we don't really know what would happen even the last time if you did let these banks collapse, right? Like it's, it's hypothesis. Is that right? Or do you just, well, do you think, I think, do you think, I mean, obviously I'm not saying it wouldn't be good. Like, it, it would be good and there wouldn't be a lot of pain, but I just, I'm always curious, like if there was a really unsettling couple of months or a year that had to happen because we've been kind of living this almost a lie for a while with some of these things and we did let these companies go under, then what you'd have is you'd have all those assets, all the people with the knowledge, they still exist. And it would just be about reformulating them in a healthier way again my worry about bailouts, and I, I've heard this worry about bailouts, is that you're kind of um, making it okay to make those kinds of mistakes again. 
right? Like the right. purpose of failure is to feel the pain. And if you, if you, in terms of like the value that it has for us, right. Is like the, per, this company fails. And so now they got to just make the hardest decisions and, you know, clean house, start over or sell it to somebody who's doing better. Does that make sense? Yep. So yep. what's the danger of bailing out? You know, cause again, I think we talked about this on the last show. Like if you bail out the airlines or even if you didn't and they collapse, it's not like those planes are blown up. Those planes still exist. And so somebody else can buy them at a cheaper rate and probably build a better company. That is possible. You have to think about the time it would take to do something like that relative to the opportunity cost of not having an efficient airline industry in our country, right? Because that's going to help with commerce, with business, with travel, with tourism. Any delays in that further escalates this potential recession we're going into. But I think you brought up a good point. When we go back to bailout for 2008, it is meant, you know, if you fail, you need to feel the pain, right? Because you did something wrong. Absolutely, the financial institutions in 2008 did a lot of stuff wrong. And they knew they were doing things wrong. And it was their total responsibility for the collapse. So in that example, 100%, there could have been, I think, maybe different ways of going about a bailout. Now, if we go with this situation, the genesis of this potential failure for all of these industries was completely unknown. Mm. So while you can argue corporations shouldn't have been doing so much share buybacks, they also never would have foreseen having to close their doors for like two months at a time. So I'm kind of like share buybacks weren't illegal. There was some stuff that was going on in 2008 that was illegal. So this is a little bit of a different situation where maybe a bailout is a little more justified because I did yesterday. I sat on a call with a chief economist for our, our broker dealer firm Commonwealth. And he was talking about how the market is a is a really good indicator of what's to come with the economy because it's usually happens prior to us getting the economic data rolling out. And what he told us was that the markets initially were pricing in not a recession but a depression. Mm-hmm. So because of some of the numbers they were seeing, 3.4 million unemployment claims, you know, a 15% unemployment rate. These are numbers that are consistent we've never seen before. And so the market was really pricing that in until we got to see the details of this stimulus package and just how much the government was on board with supporting all of these industries. So it's kind of like a, and actually this brings me to my next point, which is a good debate topic with this bailout money, do, does the government, should the government put restrictions on corporations ability to do share buybacks because that's really what this article that you showed a minute ago is referencing kind of pushing pause on the share buybacks but i don't know if they've put any restrictions on corporations that are receiving some of this stimulus yeah i mean i um i i don't my problem with that i think is I understand where it's coming from and it's totally legitimate that if you're going to do something like this, you know, so I, so for instance, I've seen this before where people like wealthy individuals who give money to, um, Harvard or, or different institutions 
they get flack if they put requirements on it. Like I want it to be spent in this way for these things. I'm always very sympathetic to that because it's like, it's my money. If I want it to be for the art world or for the, you know, the business section only, and I don't want you spending it in football, that's, that's what they should do. Or, you know, I want it to be for these individuals, you know, who go through the same type of hardships of being a single, you know, coming from a single uh, mom household. That's why I want to give more money. To, like it's their money. If they want to support those things, they do that and then find another wealthy contributor who could do for other things. Right. So mm-hmm. I, so my point is that I totally am sympathetic to if you're going to give money having strings attached i mean i think about it like with if you're going to help out somebody who's a severe drug addict right like you can't i'm not going to give you uh, all the money at once for instance i'm going to you know if you really need it and you're going to die or something it's going to be that bad i'm going to give you a little bit but you have to go to rehab and i have to see and if you stop going to rehab you stop receiving the money if you miss it once you're out for good like so strings yeah. like that because the other fear is that if I give this drug addict money, he's going to die because he's going to go out and get drugs and overdose. And it's going to be my fault because I gave him the money to do that. Right. So there's a kind of responsibility. So again, I, I very sympathetic to it. My problem is just with the whole precedent of these bailouts in at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, because again, you know, I, I, the, we differ in this, but I have the more free, like libertarian free market, you know, viewpoint on this whole uh, aspect. But what really worries me is the constraining of the, the individuals in corporations, their minds. They don't think about the kinds of things that can happen because there's always this possibility of a bailout. Like just having that as an, you know, like I am much more likely to keep screwing up if I don't have to deal with my own problems. So just for instance, in this case, like, you know, I agree with your point that this was a little bit different than uh Lehman brothers and a lot of the 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 guys back then yeah. although when i've read about that they did make the, the problem seemed to be incentives that they had in that industry they were incentivized in the wrong way to, mm-hmm. to do the wrong types of transactions for right. too long and they were just they you know it's kind of like oh there's a cash cow over here i'm not going to really question that very much right like don't talk about it Right. And people right. kind of knew it was wrong. And there were some people whistleblowing, but it's like, but it's a cash cow, man. I don't like, I don't want it to stop. Right. And that, yep. so I don't want to talk about it. And that's what the mind I think does in these situations. And that's what I think I really worry about with bailouts is like, even in the situation you mentioned in here, where it's not any individual company's problem like or, or mm-hmm. fault. Mm-hmm. But I think if there weren't a, such thing as bailouts at all, for instance, I think that, a rational company, some rational companies and some companies wouldn't do this. And those companies that didn't would, would mess up would start to see, Oh, there is this really big, you know, virus going around months ago. We better start stocking up and changing some of our behavior now, just in case, because we have to deal with the consequences of this thing. If it does spread. And then you have like a, an outside, you know, consultant who's like, this is a big deal you know, and let me show you why it's a big deal. Just be prepared for this kind of a setback. And then what are you going to do if you have, um, you know, a month, two months, what kind of plan do you have? So again, it's the same thing that you teach individuals. Corporations need to have in their own sense. Right. And the bailouts don't do that. Like it, it kind of distorts that because it's like, 
I don't ha- like it. Just it's like with me it, when I hit these financial troubles that we talked about on my show. Just imagine someone gave me half a million dollars, <laughs> right? It's like, meh. All right, I'll just keep doing it. Like whatever. It's not going to yeah. really change my behavior. So that's my little rant and worry about bailouts. Yep, I think totally valid. Totally valid points. And I think something we can watch moving forward to see kind of behavior with this situation because it is different than 2008 after 2008 they passed a piece of legislation that prevented a lot of the things that happened in 2008 from happening again it was called the dodd frank wall street reform act yeah well i'll be interested to see if they pass some type of legislation after all this is said and done on those corporations to force them to have some type of emergency planning in place or, you know, prevent them from using so much of their free cash flow to do share buybacks because that is not the most effective way to strengthen your company from the inside out. Yeah. And again, it seems like a dis- the incentives were the wrong way because their job as corporate leaders of a corporation is to take care of the shareholder. So now they yes. get this money and then they're saying, well, okay, my job is to make sure the shareholder's happy. So let me do this because that this this tool that I have allows me to do this. My worry is that it's just going to be another problem. That, that if the government mm-hmm. does that, which they will, it'll just cause some other issue we can't think of right now. It's like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, now they start doing that. That's why I, I you know, my, again, my libertarian flair kind of goes up because it's like this cascade of problems that just never ends, and it just keeps seems to get worse and worse. Yeah. So I think yeah. I love your I love your analogy of this is what we teach individuals to do but corporations aren't doing it. Yeah. That's it's such simple concepts like such simple practices of saving and having emergency fund and all those kinds of things. If you think about the message we talk about having 3 to 6 months of um, emergency savings and living within your means anyone if if everyone was following that they could all last these 2 months without a significant upset to their lives. Yeah. So it's just these simple principles that should also be adopted by the business community, but they're not. And I mean, it's very apparent, Yeah. which I know it's a different situation, but, but the even fundamentals still, are the, the same. For the exactly. Same the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think some companies do do that. And then they, we need to probably try to find and emphasize those companies. I know there yeah. are Silicon Valley companies that have huge war chests, for instance, and they're probably, gonna, you know, Apple's probably going to be fine. Because they have so mm-hmm. much capital, you know, money. Right. They actually have a lot of cash. Or Google has a lot of cash. I know a lot of cash. So they'll be like, fine. <laughs> like billions of dollars yeah. in cash. We're talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. well, that's pretty much wraps up share buybacks. So uh, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. I know it's a crazy time. If you're still quarantined, then uh, stay sane and stay safe. Be sure to check us out on social media by searching for at Jake's Two Cents. Check out the blog at jakestwocents.com. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network. Member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. Actual performance and results will vary. These interviews do not constitute a recommendation as to the suitability of any investment for any person or persons having circumstances similar to those portrayed. Consult a financial advisor regarding your specific circumstances.